everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining us, like always, the mastermind, Stephen Schleicher. I'm Eric Gemini. <laughs> and all the way across the internet is Matthew Peterson. Akak, let me tell you a little story. That was a, that was a short story. Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't say it was a good story. <laughs> uh, Speaking so of things that aren't... A, oh, sorry. <laughs> this week, we are talking another Savage Steve Holland film. Um, this time, once... Oh, no. One Crazy Summer. One Crazy one Summer. One Crazy Summer. Still starring a lot of the same people from last week's show. Oh, yeah. Curtis Better Armstrong as Akak Raymond. You got John Cusack as Hoops McCann. Uh, you got... Um, uh, that one guy, and then Joel Flaherty shows. Mm-hmm. Joe Flaherty shows up. <laughs> yep, and then uh, the other fellow, Count Floyd, wow. and then you have uh, Rich Little uh, pops in again, and uh, then you also have, I believe, the big screen debut of Demi Moore. Yay, Demi Moore! Look at you go. Uh, yeah, so this movie came came out one year, I believe, mm-hmm. after Better Off Dead. Right, it comes off in the wake of this. Whack a crazy do movie that you still love. I still love one hundred percent promoting it all week. I, yeah, I I've been since last week. Yeah, yeah been all over the social media. I've, I've been doing a lot of research on how people. Netflix chooses films oh, yeah. and where the distribution is coming from. I, I, well, I'm, I'm making slow progress on getting better off that on the streaming. Okay, but in the meantime, we're gonna we watched Savage Steve Paul and second film One Crazy Summer. Mm-hmm. Um, man, what a a turn of events for me in my emotions. Coming off Better Off Dead to watch this movie. I know, right? Isn't this just a horrible movie? It was. <laughs> I, like, find, I find nothing appealing <laughs> in this movie. All the wonderful, fun things yeah. that you had in in um, Better Off Dead, there are elements of that in this movie. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. every time they show up, it's horrible. Yeah, man. It was so, it was like just watching it. I was like, oh man, this is, like I... Maybe this is the problem. I had no expectations going to Better Off Dead, right? And it was just uh, absurd craziness. Mm-hmm. And it was well done, and it was it was just a fun, fun time. So then I have, you know, somewhat high expectations coming in from one crazy summer. Maybe that's my fault coming into this movie. Yeah. But coming off Better Off Dead, it's hard not to. <laughs> and then I watch this, and I go, oh, man, it's like the dude just decided to make a regular 80s comedy now. Yeah, so what's what's this movie yeah. about? What is One Crazy Summer about, Zach? So One Crazy Summer is about John Cusack's character, whose name is Hoops, uh, ironically, because he is horrible at basketball, but yeah. he does love to draw. And so he is graduating high school and trying to get an application into like the Rhode Island Institute of Arts or something. Yeah, close and, enough. Yeah, close enough. And uh, to take his mind off living with his uh, semi-crazy mom, who I think wants him to be like a, a trash picker-upper, he goes with his uh, friend to an island off the off the New England coast, so that they can just have you know a, a nice relaxing summer before they go off to their stressful stressful lives of college. And um, it's one crazy summer, Stephen. Is it? Well, it's semi crazy. So they get to the island and they find out that sure enough, Nantucket Island has the haves and the have nots all over the place. Sure, and the haves are just pooping all the time on the have nots, which include Hoops, his friend, and uh, his cousins, the Stork Brothers. Uh, and, um, uh, also a young rock singer played by, of course, uh, Demi Moore, who is there trying to save her, um, grandfather, grandfather's, grandfather's yeah. house where apparently all these old men live, but we've never seen any of them in the entire movie. Yeah. 
And, uh, and well, maybe. <laughs> and the the haves want to take away the house so that they can build their big condo complex and put a lobster restaurant up there. Of course. Because the haves are dicks, as haves always are mm-hmm. in movies from the 80s. Of course. And this leads to all sorts of wacky hijinks as the haves girlfriend wants to hit on our lowly hero hoops. Uh, we've got the 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 uh, son of the uh, of the haves. Uh, you know, going out and always picking on the Stork brothers, mm. causing all sorts of mischief and mayhem. There's some shenanigans in getting uh, the deed away from or buying the uh, the deed, not the deed, but the uh, the mortgage mm-hmm. on the home from the bank. And uh, so they finally decide in a wacky scheme. I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> wacky says, scheme. Wacky scheme that the, that the have nots yeah. will beat the haves in the regatta around Nantucket Island. And if they get the trophy, they can exchange the trophy for thousands of dollars for the deed (laughs) so that they can keep the house and the the rich people can keep their their daddy's money. And that's that's basically your plot. And of course, they do it. And there's lots of screaming and yelling and, you know, and secret motors, secret motors made out of Ferraris and all sorts of things. Some people think this is the I'm really surprised because. Um, two weeks ago when I was talking about Better Off Dead, mm-hmm. uh, everyone's like, oh, I really don't like this movie. I hope you guys watch One Crazy Summer, though. That movie's awesome. And I, I knew ahead of time, I was like, you people are wackadoo because compared side <laughs> by side, Better Off Dead yeah. is by far better than One Crazy Summer. I mean, it's better in its originality. This movie fits a formula that a lot of people are familiar and comfortable with in a comedy and just a movie yeah. in general, especially from the 80s. And so there's a lot of comfort in watching in that. But um, if I think if you're looking for something original and like forward pushing in comedy, this movie yeah. definitely isn't it. Matthew, why does why does this movie just feel like a typical 80s movie? Well, it, in, in many ways it is. It feels like uh, a more polished and more skilled uh, storytelling situation. And I feel like the script feels like it's less personal and it went through more focus grouping. If there was mm-hmm. such a thing in the eighties, mm-hmm. it just feels like, well, when you, you know, he talked about better off dead being a personal story based on things that really actually happened. This feels like one of those friend of a friend stories where you, your friend tells you a really cool story about what he did and you turn out and you realize later that it's actually the movie Meatballs. That's a true story. That happened to me, by the way. But in a lot of ways, this movie hits all the beats of a Meatballs, of a, you know, I don't know, Wet Hot American Summer, which is a bad example, but you know what I'm saying. Those summer teen kind of... Things are going to happen and people are going to fall in love and everybody's going to learn something about themselves and people are going to come to grips with their terrible family. It just all feels very calculated, whereas the previous film felt, I don't know how to describe it so much as messier. It felt more like real life because it didn't wrap everything up necessarily with with a really big bow. And the characters felt like they had more life because they weren't, here's the cute girl who's going to fall in love with our mm-hmm. lead guy, and here's his nerd friend, and then his super nerdier friend to make the nerd friend better. I think what this one has going for it is um, Bob Goldthwait, 
No, no, I disagree completely there. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no. Uh, you know, Bobcat Goth- Goldthwaite is really, really brilliant when it comes to his directing. Um, he's directed a lot of television stuff that you're probably mm-hmm. not familiar with uh, for a long time. I don't know if he's still the director of Jimmy Kimmel, um, but he was directing that show for a long time. A lot of television stuff, I think even some awards shows. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was an I Emmy or Grammys. He stopped doing Jimmy Kimmel so he could direct Marin. Oh, maybe that's what on, it was. On like AMC or whatever yeah, channel. And, oh, the stuff he's done on Marin is fantastic mm-hmm. too, if you've ever seen that. So he's really great as director. I never really found him uh, funny as a comedian because his whole shtick was the whole screaming bit. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and to me, that is, to me, that's just more annoying than anything. I mean, I, so I, if anything, the Stork Brothers really ruined this movie. See, I think the Stork Brothers are the only funny part about this movie. <laughs> I think. I mean, there's nothing funny in this. I mean, okay, I think, wait, wait. Okay. Here's the funniest part of the whole movie. Okay. Yeah, now, if you girls make those faces and someone slaps you on uh-huh. the back, your face is going to stick that way. And then they make the face, <laughs> yeah. the little girl comes up, slaps them on the back, and their faces are stuck in that horrifying position. Right. That is the best part of the whole movie because that is the part that feels like Savage Steve Holland. Mm-hmm. That is the part that, and then the uh, throwing up the, uh, the the cap at the end of the graduation ceremony and yeah. stabbing someone in the back. That feels like Savage Steve Holland. Mm-hmm. The rest of this movie feels nothing like what you would expect from someone who has just come off of, of Better Off Dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was the disappointing part is that it didn't feel like it was like he didn't put himself into the film, not like in the story sense, but just his comedic sensibilities. I know we're only I'm really only looking at this from one movie, but um, I don't. It, it's hard to imagine coming off Better Off Dead and doing the weird things that they did and just like playing with you know absurdity and comedic timing and just uh, you know just strangeness. To come off and then almost seems like to just coast, you know, through this movie and just get it made and then just move on. Well, and that, That's a common complaint you'll see in sophomore efforts, too, is your first movie tends to be weird and offbeat and awkward. Mm-hmm. And you learn things and you learn how things are done and you take more input and you get more experience. And your second movie is a different experience. But I think. Most of, not most of, but I think a large part of the enjoyment of Better Off Dead is the fact that it was his personal story and it felt like a personal story and it didn't feel just like movie 43. It didn't feel like something that came out of the same place as like a pretty in pink, which is a serious take, but sort of a similar take on those teen movie things. And I think that if you get into it, if you come into it expecting the same sensibility, you're going to be disappointed. That said, I think this movie is still funny. It's just funny in a different way. And it's funny in a way that's a lot more predictable, which can be okay. I mean, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with some going in and going, ha, ha, Kevin James is fat and his wife is pretty. Right. You know, there's a time for that. And I feel like. But really, I think our biggest draw, our biggest problem here is the fact that we watched this after Better Off Dead. Had we watched this before, yeah. or See, had that's, we watched the... this of, it, of itself, I think that, well, first of all, we wouldn't have. No. No. But <laughs> having, that's, that's another problem with it. You wouldn't have watched this if you hadn't watched Better Off Dead and liked it. And again, well, that's... See, that's, that's the problem, though. 
the people that fell in love with Better Off Dead, even when it came out originally, and I know that, you know, Siskel and Ebert hated the movie, but, you know, right. a lot of people really dug that movie. Years later, still people love and admire that movie. If you had VHS and it came out before One Crazy Summer, or even at the same time One Crazy Summer happened, you were anticipating, oh, here's the next Savage Steve Holland. It's got John Cusack in it. It's mm-hmm. got Demi Moore in it. She looks really hot. Let's go see this movie. And then you go there and you're like... This feels nothing like the movie we just saw a year ago or last week or five minutes ago before we decided to come see this movie. So I think the only reason people were watching One Crazy Summer is because they had seen the previous movie or were familiar with the previous work. And so regardless, I think people are coming into this and and it's it's a totally different film. And I think audiences are shocked. I think audiences are not expecting uh, what what they got. Uh, that's my personal opinion. I mean, I, I'm sure. Th- I mean, the um, I, th- I think it who it is it a film threat. Uh, I forget what this other podcast is. I was trying to look for it real quick. They they recently reviewed One Crazy Summer, and they're like, this is like th- one of the best movies of the '80s, mm-hmm. and they go into detail about why this is mm-hmm. a fantastic film and what makes this thing work. And I'm like, compared to Better Off Dead, and I think you guys are way off mark. And so, you know, as Matthew says, your mileage may vary all the time. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. this, when I watched this, I was five minutes into it. I was like, oh yeah, I remember why I haven't watched this film in 30 (laughs) years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think this stitches a lot of the comedy to a safer framework, which definitely for, even for us, there are, there are times when we watch a movie and we're like, okay, this is safe. We know what we're doing. We feel this movie on some level, whereas Better Off Dead, you had that kind of discomfort. You had that awkwardness, and that became part of the story. And, you know, obviously with, you know, Lane's family, it was clearly part of the story. But here, this feels like something that was made specifically to be like Better Off Dead, but more appealing to that broader audience, that homogenized audience that that people really want, you know, because more people, as Steve Martin was once heard to say, is more money. And right. I think that that's good. Yeah, this movie did make about two and a half, three million more dollars than what does, Better what Off Dead. What do the tomato sites say about it? It's, um, it's about 60%. Well, how about Better Off Dead? Is it um, higher or lower than that? Better okay. Off Dead, I think, is in the mid-80s. See, I don't, I don't know from tomatoes, but I would say that that makes sense to me because when you look at this, well, let's, especially let's look looking this up. at it, man. Uh, Better Off Dead has mm-hmm. a, and again, this is the problem. It's got an audience rating of 87%. It's got a tomato meter reading of 82%. Yeah, you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but again, the problem with Rotten Tomatoes as a judge mm-hmm. is that these are people who 20 years later or the 30, you know, 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary, right. they're writing all new reviews and they're like, oh man, I remember this movie, how great it was. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Not the benefit Cisco of and Ebert who hated the movie when it, when sure. it came out. Uh, One Crazy Summer has a uh, tomato meter rating, an audience score of 64 and a tomato meter reading of 60. So way, way down the chart compared mm-hmm. to Better Off Dead. I wonder if... Because of the initial reaction of Better Off Dead, and they were already into production of this. Yeah. If that didn't upset the director enough to maybe shock him into changing the way that he was approaching this film, uh, changing the way that he was interacting with the the cast, especially John Cusack, who told him, never talk to me again. I don't want to talk. To you. I don't want you directing <laughs> me again, even though they still had a movie mm-hmm. to complete together. Um right. 
if the change in location had anything to do with it, but I'm, I'm wondering if the initial negative impact of better off dead didn't shock savage Steve Holland into saying, Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe I, you know, maybe I am trying to reach too far. And so I need to pull back and not make it as zany as I want to make it. And let's, let's rely on this eighties, uh, joke fest, uh, stuff that people want to put in. Now, I, I also, if I'm not mistaken, one crazy summer is not written by, um, savage Steve Holland either. Maybe it is. Um, no, it's written by him too. So yeah. I don't know, maybe he, maybe he felt the need to pull back or go with some more quote unquote mainstream humor that the kids of the eighties found funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I mean, in the eighties, yes, there were probably moments in this movie where I was laughing as a kid of 16, but in hindsight, man, it's not that great. Yeah. I mean, there were, do you, do you think that there were, that Holland changed his approach in this film because of reaction and criticism from the, from the first one? I would it's, think so just because they were in the middle of it and getting that reaction that you, he might have felt a need to push things in a different direction. Because like you said, the beginning of the film definitely does in moments feel like better off dead with the girl's faces being all weird and the cap flying through the air and you know, the, the, the vehicle, his mom hoops, his mom gets for him for graduation. Like there are, elements that feel like that and then we get into the island and you're like well it definitely feels pulled back and i obviously don't know the sequence they shot this film if that was shot first where it was but it definitely has a different flavor to it and i don't know if that came from his reaction to reviews for better off dead if maybe the studio was like hey bro um we want to make some more money off this next one Mm -hmm. maybe don't be all 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 weird all the time yeah, maybe, maybe pull it back a little bit of course then that didn't really help him because i mean you're talking about a movie and two and a half million more dollars this isn't exactly uh crushing at the box office yeah matthew do you have any thoughts on that well as much as you know we we look at this and we talk about that fallacy of authorial intent i think that it's plausible to look at this as a, a concerted attempt to be more hate to use the M word, but mainstream. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it works in as much as it makes the film. It's still a memorable movie. There are still people who go, yeah, this is the, this is the greatest movie ever written. There are a lot of moments in this film that I still remember. What's it? That's my car. Or mm-hmm. uh, like, like uh, what is the thing? Have you ever noticed how people die in alphabetical order? Yeah, that was a really good yeah. line. That I mean, but see, line. those feel like Savage Steve Holland lines, right? Yeah. Right. That they feels feel like, like something Steve that you expected it. But somebody getting his head trapped under a, a fat guy eating beans doesn't seem like a Savage Steve Holland thing. It seems like a oh. mainstream studio going in and saying, hey, man, you know what's funny? Fart jokes are funny. <laughs> let's let's put some more fart jokes in there. How about a fat guy? And, and one of the guys gets his head trapped underneath the fat guy. That's funny. Mm-hmm. That's I don't know. Not- I mean, if you look, even if you look at Better Off Dead, there are moments, maybe not quite to that level of scatological gross out, but there are gross moments in that movie. There are bits of that movie, mostly dealing with Ricky and his mom, mm-hmm. that are just gross out moments. And I can see kind of an extension of that in the fat guy farting joke, uh, as disgusting and horrifying as that is. But I don't know. I mean, the real question you have to ask yourself is 
Why would you watch this movie ever again? (laughs) If he made these changes, if he did this to try and be more palatable on a broader scale, does making a more popular movie or a movie that made more money uh, that seems like it's less you, is that necessarily a giant creative failure or is that just kind of you know, Hollywood run rubbing the rough edges off another promising director. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to say because I think if you follow people making films enough and you understand the business side of the industry, um, the only way a lot of these people and you really get your stuff in front of a lot of people is if you go into the studio system and you're, you play by essentially their rules and how you're going to make the film on some level, you're going to give up some control over making the film you want to make so that they will give you millions of dollars, you know, to make the thing you want to do. And so you're giving up that a little bit and maybe that's just what happened here. And that, um, I mean, I hope it's not from the review thing, but it's not crazy to be like, Hey, you know, it didn't quite work the way we had hoped. And, and so maybe let's tone it down. Um, but you know, well, they I, toned down the absurdity. They toned down the the tangents and the dream sequences, mm-hmm. but they kept them. And in some ways, if you actually look at Hoops and his his cartooning, right, those dream sequences are thematically stronger and make more sense within the story than Lane's uh, you know mind trip with the guitar and the and the uh, hamburger. And I feel like yeah. it, it, it may have been an attempt to try and I'm going to do my thing, but I'm going to try and do my thing in a way that people are, are are more drawn to. Because if you actually say, you know, the cute and fuzzy bunnies, not as much fun as the dancing guitar, but they have a similar place in the story and they do it in a way that feels more holistic, that feels more um, motivated. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the, I think the animated sequence, you're right, Matthew, definitely flow with the story more and they don't make it as tangential to what's actually happening on the film and so really in a storytelling aspect that is it seems more complete really instead of like doing a whole family guy non sequitur just craziness there is this is worse than that time I saved Christmas (laughs) there is like a through line through the whole plot which um, for better or worse, does make the movie more coherent to watch. Well, that's what I was going to say is is a big difference in Better Off Dead is just a uh, sequence of gags that are strung together with a loose thread. This mm-hmm. one has a very strong storyline that the gags are kind of forced in. Hey, let's go mm-hmm. spy on yeah. on the uh, the bad guys, the haves, and what they're doing at their dinner party so you can go make out with this guy's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, by the way, I've got to uh, uh, guard the uh, the costume truck tonight uh, let me put on this uh, godzilla costume and then <laughs> so then the old man's gonna throw his cigar in there accidentally uh into the costume so now now it forces me to jump up and run around and oh i happen to smash on this model of the town that was great in a great godzilla gag yeah it was fun it also reminded me that um maybe arrested development was a little influenced from Could this be. movie because there's be. definitely a sequence when someone's in a godzilla uh, mm-hmm. suit and trashing a whole miniature town thing, which yeah. is a, which is a nice nod. Um, what was I going to say? This movie, um, definitely feels more complete, which 
I mean, is good for a viewer. Like you want to be able to follow uh, a through line, um, but maybe it hurt its comedic thing. It, I don't know. It it, it it just felt very underwhelming to yeah. end up watching this. And you mentioned, uh, you know, little vignettes, which we hit on last week with Better Off Dead, where it mm-hmm. felt like almost skitty type things just kind of weaved through here. It, it felt like he was trying to do that in this movie, especially when they first get to the island, because mm-hmm. there's like a car driving down a road, a little bit we're going to get. And there's a car driving down the road, a little bit, car driving down the road, a little bit. But those little bits weren't as funny as mm-hmm. we saw in Better Off Dead. And so it hurt it because you really felt what he was trying to do by interweave these things and just put a little car driving in between them. But with them not giving us a bunch of laughs in the middle, we can just kind of laugh over watching another car drive for another 10 seconds. It felt <laughs> more um, forced in there, which was not, you know, not as funny. <laughs> I wonder too yeah. if having like half the cast of this movie be from better off dead in totally mm-hmm. different characters and looks in the case of, um, yeah. uh, Charles, uh, DeMar mm-hmm. and, uh, oh. Ak. I wonder if that also flipped audiences out because here you expecting this gross booger eating, belching yeah. drug using guy. And suddenly he's this clean cut, um, you know, milk stop of a, of a boy that is afraid of his father. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seems like an odd casting choice for, Kurt Russell, oh. Curtis Russell, or Curtis Armstrong, sorry. Yeah, Curtis Armstrong. It was very strange when he came on screen because he does look so much different than his character mm-hmm. in Better Off Dead. He mm-hmm. looks, I mean, honestly, yeah. 10 years younger. Right. It was really strange to see him like that. Oh, yeah. Shave him off and yeah. clean him but, up, and he looks totally different. But if you if you go back and you look at him in, like, Risky Business, and you look at him in Revenge of the Nerds and, and go through, and that guy is weirdly able to just kind of morph curtis armstrong has this ability to be that guy but it's a different that guy vaguely strangely different because this was not very long after revenge of the nerds and not very long before um moonlighting right it's one of those things where here i actually like him a little better than charles because i felt like charles is fun but charles is manic all the time Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Charles and he has some of the best lines in that movie, the actual acting is a lot more restrained <laughs> and a lot more palatable. And I'm wondering if maybe, again, that may be one of the things where they were intentionally trying something not just different, but diametrically opposed of what they did before so that they can see what works and what doesn't work. It's that thing where you get a range so you try and, you know, you, you plunk a, a bow and arrow to the either side and then you try and get one right in the middle. I don't know. Well, they they definitely needed to tone down Armstrong's character in this one because of the Stork Brothers. Mm-hmm. Like, we couldn't have Bobcat running around screaming. And Charles DeMar. Yeah, yeah, and going and being weird as well. It's almost like they have, I think there's too many characters in this movie. There are. I, I, think, what, mm. I think what should have happened is you get it down to one Stork Brother. You get mm-hmm. it down to Akak. Those two are friends. That way, even when one of them gets beat up later in the movie, you still have still this, happen. oh, we're going to get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, I really think you need to cut out the best friend character because he has, he has or, zero. Or streamline him together. Have Akak and the best friend. Well, that's characters. what I originally yeah. thought too. Oh. But then how would, how would, how would Hoops get to the island 
if because mm-hmm. the only reason why the friend is there is to say, hey, come. you're come with us. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas think of it this way. If this was truly a sequel to Better Off Dead, uh, right. you know, uh, Lane, we're going to go send, send you to live with your grandma in Nantucket for the summer. Mm-hmm. OK, we're going to send your brother Badger with you instead of the little girl. Yeah. OK. Um, you send them there. Charles DeMar is there. Great. You can, he, he wants to go. Maybe he's the through friend that says, come with me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, but yeah, the, the friend in this movie has got, serves no purpose. I mean, you can, you can cut everyone out. Yeah. And, Having, and you can cut him out completely. Characters. This movie makes much, much more sense. I'm wondering if that wasn't just to have enough people well, to yeah. crew, to crew the ship. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We need five guys, so let's have two guys and just break up their, well, get, their stuff. Get the get the love interest on the boat, right? See, get Demi Moore's character on the boat mm-hmm. so that she can say, "Hoops, I believe in you. You can make this." And he throws that up and sinks the the weight so that they can get the sails back up. Well, he'll I mean, have her throw it. I mean, that's the he's, whole thing. He's at bad the, at it. No, no, no. But <laughs> but that's the whole point at the end of the movie where. Everybody who's a screw up has their moment to suddenly shine, right? Mm-hmm. Hoops finally gets the hoop that lets them go to the next level. Akak restores his father's faith by going and saving the guy that got shot off the other boat. Um, right. The Stork brothers get their revenge and get their moment to shine because they're smart enough to take the Ferrari and install it into a boat as a boat engine. Mm-hmm. What does the friend do? Nothing. He serves no purpose except to flip everybody off. And that's it. He serves zero purpose in this in this movie. I think five it needs people, to be written out. Five people on the ship. Well, get, now, like I said, get Demi Moore on there. Here's my also my other question for you. Was this the first time that John brought his friend Jeremy Piven along on his movie experience? <laughs> yes. Be- uh, okay. Yeah, Jer- this is the first Jeremy Piven appearance. Um, in a, even, in before, even before, um, what was it, Politically Correct University, PCU? PCU was, yeah, PCU was like 94. Yeah. PCU, but I mean, he uh, Piven was in Say Anything. He was in The Grifters. Mm-hmm. He was in all of these, all of these films where Cusack shows up and then Jeremy Piven pops up out of nowhere. Right. Gross Point Blank, Jeremy Piven. And I'm, I swear to you, I don't know that this is true. I believe that somewhere John Cusack has a contract thing that says, <laughs> "Look, well, my best friend and my sister are in this movie. Well, Shut up." That's that's what my best friend and my sister in this movie. That's what it is. So one crazy summer came out before say anything or any mm-hmm. of the other movies. So if anything, he appeared in Lucas first, and right. then one crazy summer. Oh my summer, god! Both of those came I out the same he was year. In Lucas, and then the, and then uh, three years later, that's when his say anything and all the other movies uh, kicked right. off. Yeah, we need to watch say anything too. Um. That's- Savage Steve Holland uh, totally wrote like three pages of that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, there's a thing with comedies where um, if there's one that we there's that's like we see previews for and we kind of laugh at the trailers and then it comes out and mm-hmm. it you look on Rotten Tomato as one does when a movie comes out now and it, it's about 60%, which is, you know, above average movie. But for a comedy, I'm just like, nah. I'll see it later because I think if if you really want a good comedy, it kind of needs to be up there. Otherwise, yeah. if someone's trying to be really funny and it falls flat, it's a very poor yeah. movie experience. And that's is- then that's what this is. It's not necessarily a horribly made movie without 
any laughs in it at all, no, but I, it's like an average movie yes. and an average comedy, which is yeah. not really enjoyable to watch. This this is TV good. Yes. This is I won't flip away from it if it's on on a Saturday afternoon and I have nothing else to do. Yeah. But I don't necessarily want to pay seventeen fifty to go see it. Right. I don't think you'd pay which seventeen fifty. Is, which is actually crazy well, because when it got to the scene of Hoops and uh, Mister Mister Angry Man doing <laughs> shooting the light ball into yeah. the hoop, yeah. I realized, oh my god, I've seen this movie before. And I and I knew when they went up to the light and pulled the thing down and it mysteriously turned into basketball. I'm like, I've seen this. I've seen this on television. Yes. I'm sure my dad was just watching when I was in high school one day, and that's the scene I remember. And I kind of remember the boat thing at the end. I don't remember the beginning of this movie, but I've definitely seen like half of one crazy summer before. And it yep. took me until that moment to realize it. So what do as we ramp this up here, what do we um what do we notice in because we're trying to compare directors from first film to next to their next film or films spaced apart. But because how I got into college isn't really a savage Steve Holland film yeah. that he wrote and direct. We went with uh, one crazy summer. So what do we, what do we know? Compare and contrast. You know, I think savage Steve Holland has the ability to do really great comedy comedy that is probably not palatable or not. Um, everyone's cup of tea mm-hmm. in that it tends more to the absurdity when he's actually doing like I think comedy he enjoys and that is really good it, 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 it skews to as I mentioned last week like the end of SNL when things get weird it's like Monty Python it's like weird YouTube sketches it's uh, it, it's this absurd type of comedy that is definitely not mainstream and which is okay now everything needs to be mainstream and everything needs to be absurd but I think he does well when he's in that vein. I think um, um, he, he's a, a fairly standard visual director. I think, I mean, really, production-wise, this movie is about equal as Better Off Dead. Um, maybe a little bit more um, structured and and uh, kind of through with storytelling techniques and plot Mm -hmm. and things like that but he is capable of of really good things I just don't think it really came out in this effort so if you're talking about um, crazy stuff what did he do with Legally oh Legally Blondes that's what I'm looking at the sequel Legally Blonde 3 he was the director of that Legally Blonde 3 yeah Yeah. Um, but he also did that's the one where she's on the Supreme Court they also (laughs) did you know he's also done The Fairly Odd Parents. Uh, Which is he does, weird. He does Eek the Cat. I don't know what that mm-hmm. is. Uh, that's that weird show that it just is too weird for me. <laughs> um, okay, that show was on in 1994, Stephen. He does not know Eek the Cat. Yeah, he would know Eek the Cat. I have no idea. He's 12. Hold on, let me look it up. Um, oh, he did. Zach uh, was he, born he directed, in He directed many episodes of VIP, which uh, for what it was, was oh. uh, what it was. Even I don't remember VIP. You don't remember VIP with Pam Anderson and a bevy of no, uh, of uh, I do not very attractive Pamela Anderson Natalie, what's her as name? the head um, of her own agency where she went and she was like, oh, I'm going to start my own investigative form. I don't remember her being Valerie Irons and I don't remember her like being bodyguards for all these people and like uh, guest stars every week. And I, I certainly don't remember Nikki. The explosives girl who was yeah, super that's my hot. Favorite. Natalie Ritano. Oh, no, you're thinking of the redhead. Um, what was her Nikki. name? Nikki. Molly Culver. Uh, no, that's Tasha. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, Tasha yeah. is who she played. I think you're thinking, yeah, the one I was thinking of, Natalie uh, Rotano. Yeah, she played Nikki. Nikki, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who it is. She was the weapons girl. Yeah, she was. She or was. Or as the best I like one. to call it, J. Scott Campbell's Danger Girl. Yeah, yeah. On television. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. I don't remember any so, of that. So you know, Savage Steve Holland has his own, you know, studio now. Does stuff for mm-hmm. Fox and and uh, Nick. Uh, so you know, he's not hurting out of all this. In fact, it may have maybe his failure in the in the box office. I wouldn't say failure, but his. Um, his journey, his journey through film may have pushed him on the television where he was able to do so much more. Well, you know, the and best part much, about much better. The best part about this film is the animated bits. Mm-hmm. Like they are still weird because you have like a rhinoceros, like using a machine right, gun and right, killing right. rabbits yeah. and like weird things like that. So, which was m- more than the animated bits we saw in better off dead. And so that was a nice thing. And really, I think translates into the weird stuff he's done uh, in animation on television. Like, The Fairly Odd Parents is weird. Like, it's mm-hmm. so weird and yeah. strange. I know a lot of people my age that didn't like it because it was so odd. Oh, there you go. But uh, I, I, it, was, it was fun. It's an interesting experiment to compare and contrast both of these films uh, and yeah. how that you go gaga over one and you're, like, not even tepid on the other. Dude, I couldn't even... I could barely get in this film. I was like on my phone half the time. I was like, oh, okay, well, let's check. We're about, you know, 40 minutes into this. Let's check with the old uh, generic 80s movie plot. And, oh, lines up perfectly. Let's keep moving along and see if anything interesting happens about this movie. And guess what? Nothing does. I think I think that the, the comparison between these two movies really is the comparison of a strong or stronger script in action. Because... Frankly, I, I don't remember anything in either movie that was particularly directorially brilliant. I don't no. look at these and go, this man was a cinematography genius. They're both, you know, they're competent. They're well done. There's nothing that sticks out as, oh, my God, terrible film. Or why is he using a Dutch angle for no reason? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lars von Trier. But I'm just. Because the guy's is, head is stuck under a fat man's butt. But I think <laughs> that. The strength of the script for the better for better off dead yeah. is such and the strength and the funniness of the jokes really carries you past the fact that it's kind of not entirely cohesive as a story. It's a it's but it's one of those things where you come out at the end happy. You come out going, ha 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 ha. Ricky's mom blew up. Ah, mm-hmm. whereas. This one has that bizarre ending where the hermit blows up the radio station and it's just. I don't know. There's so much going on and there's so many. Wait, did you like that? Hey, kids. It feels like that underground comedian that you really loved when you saw him on HBO. And then you see him on Letterman and he's less funny. And then you see him and he's he's Dennis Miller on Saturday Night Live. And you're like, well, he's still kind of funny, but it's just not the same thing. All of those same elements are in play in some cases, literally, when it comes to these two movies. But they just don't feel the same they don't feel like it's i don't know it, it doesn't feel like it all came together this is a better film structurally it's just not as funny isn't it a thing i was just thinking about talking about the strength of the better off dead script where mm-hmm. comedies i think more than any genre of film live and die by the script because you think of like an action movie those scripts are generally garbage and then it's all visual Fun oh, time, sure. fun time, exploding stuff. Right, and editing and all that. Yeah, stuff, right? you know, there's a lot more to it. Um, but comedies, and let's see, have rare exceptions. They are really just how funny is the script, 
and then potentially how good are the comedians in it. But you can find, you can make, I think, people funny if you're a decent director or or the script's just that good. Anyone can say your words and it's going to be funny. Uh, I don't know. I think performance also has something to do with that. So if the performer, I mean, I can write something really funny, but if Mm -hmm. Matthew can't deliver it, it's just going to fall flat. Sure. So Uh, it doesn't matter how good, doesn't matter how good Matthew is. If he can't deliver that line, it's not going to get a laugh. And I think that when you have John Cusack totally checking out of this movie, telling the director, don't talk to me ever again. You've got other actors who don't need to be in there and other actors who are, their line is, you scream for five minutes. Uh, (laughs) Then I I think you don't have a funny movie. Yeah. Yeah, such a sad, sad experience. This is is a movie, there's very rarely, have there been a movie we've watched in the past, like a, a, a historic movie, a, a past movie, nothing that recent release. Right. That I've said, no, this movie is not worth your time. I think I said that once on it's like it's a mad, 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 mad world, but maybe mm-hmm. I just wasn't <laughs> into that movie. Um but this I movie I think you said it about the searchers. Or maybe Steven said it about the searchers. No, I've well, come to grips with the searchers. But this okay. movie I would actually say people should just not watch. Like I don't think it's worth your time. It, I mean if you're looking for like a standard eighties comedy there's yeah. probably better out there oh, that yeah. I just can't name right now, but um, oh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Um, what's that one with the car? Herbie. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Carrie. Herbie, or, Herbie, Herbie goes bananas. <laughs> Not Carrie. Uh, Christine. Carrie. Christine is a funnier Christine. movie than this. Yeah, than Christine this. is a funnier movie than this because Christine is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, but if you, if you you know, Meatballs is better. Stripes is better. Uh, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters two, no, the script for Ghostbusters three. Um, you can't badmouth Ghostbusters. I can. You know, you know, it's a really funny movie. Star Trek five. <laughs> I laugh. The whales. No, Star Trek five. No. Why does God need a spaceship? Spock yeah, has a brother. One, that one I laughed and laughed. <laughs> That's horrible. Not not in a good way. Yeah, yeah. but it was. So what's the next movie we're going to watch in this Oh, little... so uh, next week we're going to look at another director that okay, we know good. Uh, very well. And we're going to take a look at Dazed and Confused oh. from uh, Richard uh, Richard Linklater. Is that yeah, his name? Linklater. Yeah, uh, Linklater. Yeah. And then uh, the following week we will compare and contrast his um, Everybody Wants Some. Um, this movie just came out, right? Yeah, it came out like six months ago. Okay. April, I think. Okay. So, yeah. And this is the man who did Boyhood. Boyhood and... Um, I did he do he like also, Slacker? Uh, or is that someone I, else? I want to say that he also did uh, Before Sunrise. I, I want to say someone else. Yeah, he did those like a series of those Before yeah. Sunrise and Before mm-hmm. Moonlight and oh, Slacker Before Before Menopause, whatever it was. Yeah, Slacker. Yeah, Richard Linklater, the mm-hmm. movie that influenced made mm-hmm. Kevin Smith want to go make Clerks. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of know. Well, we'll talk about it uh, next time. But um, I'm Zach on film. Days and Confused is all right, all right, all right, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, man, I'm so excited. I keep getting older and they stay the same age. Yes, they do. All right, so next week we're going to be looking at another. It is an 80s comedy, right? Um, No. No. Um, um, Days and Confused? Days and Confused came out in 93. Oh, wow. I'm alive. You are alive. Wow. This is going to be a little different. So next week. Days and Confused Wrench like link later on Zach on film. But in the meantime, head over to majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page and you can lament the unfunniness of one crazy summer <laughs> or on that episode. Or maybe you love it. Film. Convince me that you love this film and I will not watch it again, but I will I will listen to your thoughts. 
Um, while you're there, click on the Amazon.com link where you can buy a lot of Blu-rays. That was on the other day. I don't know how long the sale's going, but there are mad sales on Blu-rays. So I got like eight, nine dollars for Blu-rays. So you should be checking there. All those deals on Amazon for all the great movies you can find. Like Young Frankenstein was like eight bucks. Uh, when you use the link from Major Spoilers, none of those cheap movies are going to cost you any extra. But a little bit of that money will come back help Major Spoilers make podcasts like this and so many more, which you can always find on Majorspoilers.com. Stephen, there's another way people can contribute, and that's the Patreon. Yes, if you'd like to see this show and any of the shows at Major Spoilers continue, please support us at Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. A little bit goes a long way, and you can contribute a little or a lot. It's all up to you. Find out more. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Thank you in advance. And next week, Daisy Confused on more Zach on Film. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.